yo, yo, welcome to another episode of the Round Ball Ramble Podcast, another one. I'm your host, Corbin Forge. You can follow me on Twitter, at CorbinNBA. This is a Sports Ethos presentation, so check out Sports Ethos on Twitter, at SportsEthosOnline, SportsEthos.com. Don't know how to spell it, I got you, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S. Today is Monday, the 11th of December. The month is flying by, and we got a little bit to talk about. We're first going to kind of come in here with a retrospective of the in-season tournament, what I liked, what I didn't like, and the reaction to the Lakers winning it all. Then we're going to introduce a new segment here that will be coming pretty weekly on the show called Mock Mondays and what that looks like. And then we'll send you out with a look at the games that are going to be played later on tonight. So that's what you got to look forward to. Sit back, relax, another episode of The Ramble. Let's get it. Okay, so let's start with the in-season tournament, which just wrapped up this weekend with the Lakers beating the Indianapolis Pacers. I totally said Indianapolis. Wow, I cannot believe I did that. But anyways, the Lakers beat the Pacers this past weekend by the final score of um, 123-109 to to win the inaugural in-season tournament. LeBron James was named the in-season tournament MVP. Um, The Lakers and Pacers had both went undefeated um, in their group play. And then in the knockout rounds, the Pacers took care of business. Um, And so did the Lakers. The Lakers uh, went through the Suns and the Pelicans, while the Pacers went through the Celtics and the Bucks, if I remember that correctly. Yes. So, like, these were the games that were played, right? And mind you, I'm not going to lie. You didn't hear a whole lot about the in-season tournament on the Rumble Rumble podcast because it took me a minute to get used to. I can't even pretend that it didn't. Um, there was a lot to kind of go into between group play and point differential, and I'm not the sharpest cool in the shed, never professed to be, um, but it was a lot to kind of take in, and I'm not going to lie. I kind of thought it was silly. I thought it was only going to be as big as the players made it seem because the NBA was going to hype it up with their hand-fisted ways, like using, I don't know, LL Cool J um, as the official theme song for a knockout tournament that wasn't really a knockout tournament. Thought that was weird. Um, and then even the cringe that happened on the eve, on the day of the NCAA tournament finale where they had, um, not the finale, I'm sorry, but where they had, um, what, it was um, TLC versus Nelly, and the fans had to sing to it. It was just like, it was something out of the 90s. Were this the 1999, you know, NBA in-season tournament, it would have fit right in and been perfect and been so hype and been lit and been great. But it's 2023. It's literally 25 years. Like, a lot has changed. And while those two are icons and legend, legends and so was LL Cool J, like, the fit was all wrong. Especially when you're trying to market to people who, you're trying to get them invested in the league, you know, in November. In, in, in late October, in November, when really, you know, the NBA season officially, unofficially starts on Christmas, right? So, like, that, it just seemed like the NBA did a really bad job of promoting it. Over the top, rather. Um, and it just seemed out of touch. But the players, the players were mostly involved. And that was really cool to see. We saw the Pacers do what they did. We saw the Lakers and LeBron James really turn up a whole nother level, right? Uh, we had the, con- the classic contentious Laker call in a game um, between them and a rival. Um, in this case, the Phoenix Suns, and that got more interest as well. So there were some things that kind of came to the favor of the NCAA tournament by, you know, getting fans involved, whether or not they liked it or didn't like it. Also, quick aside, the refing sucks uh, this season as the last, I don't know, four seasons for the NBA. But, like, ultimately, it, it kind of worked itself out. You know, at the end of the day, seeing the players be invested 
made me as a fan be invested, right? Um, they could have kind of half done it, done, I don't know, the tenacity and intensity of an all-star game, you know, the first two quarters, and they'd been like, oh, cool, whatever. But they didn't, you know? And, and that, combined with the aesthetic of the different uniforms and the different courts, for better or for worse, did kind of hype it up a little bit. And then, you know, you had the, the finale, where LeBron James went through the entire tournament you know, just blazing hot from the field. And then AD turned it up with a monster performance, a 40-20 game in the finale to kind of get the first ever championship. And then you had the Lakers in the back spraying the champagne. Like, yes, it's not an NBA championship. Everybody in their mama knows that. There's no, there's no pretending here. There's no projecting here. It's not the same. But it is something different. And that is cool, right? That is cool. Even with, again, the hand-fisted promotion, even with starting one of the games at like 2 o'clock, like, I don't care what, what time, two o'clock, like on a weekday, like, like, like what? Like, even with all of that, um, I would say that it was most of success. And again, I would say that because of the players and their investment level in it. Right. So that's what I liked. I already told you what I didn't like because it was kind of lame. I thought some of it, I, I just did. I, I thought you had, you opened yourself up to criticism from those who didn't want it to succeed or those who thought it was going to be a failure from the beginning for reasons that you could have easily prevented. I'm just saying, like, having a game at 2 o'clock on, on a weekday, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Like, no. Especially not for, like, in-tournament finale. Like, no, that's just not it. Like, the crowd was dead. Half of us weren't able to watch it. Like, your TVs surely suffered. Like, that didn't work out, right? Um, at the other end, again, some of the games were great. That Lakers, you know, that Lakers-Suns game, really enjoyable. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, another thing I didn't like is the way that the groups were kind of put together. Because it led to some really imbalanced basketball. Like, you did have a fun... Lakers and Suns game. You did have a really fun Pacers versus Bucks game, but you also had um, a Bucks Knicks game, and you also had a Lakers Pelicans game that were like not good. Like they just was one sided. One team didn't come with the energy, and yes, that's something that can happen in any basketball game. But it's also like, huh? Like I don't know. I just think that you could have done a different format. I also think you could raise the stakes of the tournament. You know, take out the stupid point differential, make it something different, make the stakes a little bit higher. That money is great. Um, put like a play in berth. Not even a playoff berth. Not even a playoff berth. Put a play-in berth. Like, you were guaranteed a spot to fight to make the playoffs, no matter your record. That's kind of crazy, but it could work. It lead to, I mean, listen, the teams that the teams that wouldn't make the playoffs aren't going to make the playoffs, right? Like, I don't think you would talk about the Detroit Pistons and they were going to win the in-season tournament and then have the worst record in the NBA but competing for a playoff spot. Like, no, that wasn't going to happen. So I think you could have done something like that and had a really interesting premise where the stakes would have been even higher because you're fighting, you know, hey, we're trying to put ourselves in for a spot where we are good and we get to control our own destiny, more or less. I think that's something that could have happened that didn't happen. The money, that's great. I'm glad, you know, the players got it. Um, I'm glad there's a motivation for these players, but, like, it's really for the players who aren't going to be doing a lot of playing that it means a lot to. Like, yes, for a guy like LeBron James and a guy like Anthony Davis, that's, that's a lot of money no matter how you slice it. But, like, compared to what they're already getting paid, it's not a whole lot. It's really a lot for your, you know, your 8th, ninth, or 10th, 11th, 12th man, your two-way players, those guys. And, and that's the case, I guess it talks about team chemistry, because you better hope that your stars want to play for you to get that money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you better hope your best players want to rally around to get it for themselves, but also to make sure you get the hookup, too. Like, that's what it comes down to. The guys in the vet minimum contracts. Like, it's more of that. It's more of a team symbolic victory than, in my mind, an actual, like, okay, this is the goal of what we're trying to do here, you know? Um, so, I just think you could raise the stakes there. Last thing I want to talk about here real quick. I was not a fan of the 
conjecture that came after the Lakers won. Yes, I have a standing or a stake in this as a Lakers fan, but I also am somebody who was on record of not being enthused by the idea of the in-season tournament. And guess what? Lakers won. Hooray. I'm definitely going to talk a lot of trash. I still feel the same way. Like, it was a little confusing. It wasn't something that, in my mind, that was, like, super great. I don't like the fact the stats for that just kind of go away. Like, there's an in-season tournament stat category on its own, but those games don't count to the regular season. There's so many different things I have problems coming to terms with. But, I don't know. Like, the Lakers want it, right? And people don't like that. People will go back to the 2020 NBA bubble, like the 2020 championship. Bottom line is this. You can say what you want about the Lakers. You can say what you want about the teams they played. And I will give you that the call against the Suns with Austin Reeves and Devin Booker in the last seconds of that game, like, that was tough. That was tough. That was a missed call in my mind or not a missed call depending on who you believe or what angle you saw, whatever the case may be. But here's the deal. Let's say, let's just go to that Lakers-Suns game for a second. Even if, even if the Suns had gotten the ball and scored there, it goes into potentially overtime. Maybe a Lakers player makes a game winner. Like, there's no guarantee the Lakers are going to lose that game, right? And then what are you going to say? Just the same thing you said about the 2020 championship where the Lakers, oh, they had an easy schedule, this, that, this, and the other. In the NBA, you beat the teams in front of you. The 2015 Golden State Warriors went through the gamut of injured players on teams that might have posed a challenge to them as they made it all the way to the finals and won. And that kicked off the dynasty. And no one ever brings up the 2015 championship much anymore. Like, not in the way of, oh, they beat a Bucks team. Or not a Bucks team. They beat a, a Grizzlies team that had a, 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 a Mike Conley sing out of one eye and a, and a banged up team. Or, you know, they beat a, a Cavs team that had LeBron James and no one else really because, you know, both Kyrie Irving and um, Kevin Love were out due to injury. Like, no one talks about that. You beat the teams in front of you. Those teams should have made it. Those teams should have made it and they should have won, right? Bottom line. That's it. You know, uh, Clippers teams, like, where were the Clippers at? I'm sorry, the Clippers were in the midst of trying to find out who they were. Newsflash, we're in December, they're still trying to find out who they are, right? So you can't say nothing there. Warriors fans, I'm sorry, do you see that team? Like, come on now. Draymond Green getting suspended didn't help. It also didn't help that you've had extended cold stretches from guys like Klay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. Just been a thing, right? Celtics fans, I mean, you could have beat the Pacers. Lakers did it, right? Like, I'm just saying, like, Bucks fans could have beat the Pacers. Lakers did it. Like, I'm just, the matter of the fan base, Unless you're the fan base of a team that sucks, you complaining about the Lakers winning it makes absolutely zero sense because you were in the exact same position to do the exact same thing. You just were. So that's just bull to me. Same thing when we go to the 2020 playoffs. Like, yeah, it was a bubble this and the other. We wanted the season to start. I wasn't seeing anyone really complain about the season ending just completely, calling it a wash. And at the end of the day, the Lakers beat the teams that were in front of them. The Bucks had an epic collapse. The Clippers had an epic collapse, right? Lakers were the best team most of the season and came in and won that too. Right? And yeah, the Heat team they they faced were banged up. I think the Heat were, were happy to be there, and that's great. But the Lakers were a superior team, and the Lakers beat the team in front of them. And that's what you do when you play the game. All right? If I go to the gym right now, and I'm playing with a bad hammy, which actually I went to the gym last week, and I was playing with a bad hammy, and I lost the game. And I was mad, because had I been healthy, I would have shut that guy down who I was sticking. But I wasn't. But I played, because you play the games in front of you. And I lost, because that happens too occasionally. Like, it's ridiculous to me. I'm glad, you know, it fires with the fan base and gets the NCAA tournament talked about again because, you know, people hate the Lakers and all the things. But, like, bottom line, make your team do it. Only team in my mind that has a legitimate gripe potentially is the Suns. And even that's not a guarantee because they were turning over the ball like I would turn over a hot potato in my hand, right? Like, they were not great. They were battling foul trouble with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in that game. Like, they weren't great either. So, and even leading up to it, their group play, they weren't great. They lost to the Spurs twice. Like, I'm just saying, it's just, no, no. I'm not going to have it here on this show. I'll tell you that right now. Like, I don't respond on Twitter because you're stupid. 
I'm not going to converse with stupid people. I got too much time today to do so many other important things. But if you listen to this show right now and you're going, oh, well, this or oh, well, that. No, they did what they were supposed to do. You, you go out there and you play. And yes, I get it. Like, Lakers have been banged up and lost games. And I like to go, well, LeBron's playing on one foot. You play the games to win. And if you don't, you don't. That's all I got to say about that. Woo! Sorry about that. I came with a lot of energy on that one. I am just hyped. It fired me up. But you know what else I'm hyped about? I would say take a wild guess, but we're on a podcast, so yeah, no, can't really do that. Um, but here, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a hint, and we'll go right into it. Let's talk about productivity. It seems like everybody desperately wants to do more, to be more efficient. Um, I can speak to that myself. This is the third podcast I've recorded today. Um, I play basketball every other morning. I also, you know, have a full-time job. Um, of which I am coordinating programs and all sorts of things on that. In addition, I like to pretend that I have a social life as well. And so that's something I'm trying to manage in addition to all of that. Family is a factor as well. You want to make sure you have time for them, especially when you don't live with them or in the same area. So there's a lot to have to deal with. A lot of energy expended throughout the day. Not a lot of time left to do it. And by the end of it, you are just a lifeless husk. At least I am. I'll be coming in bed and just zonk out, wake up. We got to get up and do the whole thing over again. And I'm not a person who can do coffee. I can't. Anyone who really knows me know the coffee makes me just, it's a problem. It's a straight up problem. I'm a person who with coffee, um, I'm all over the place. Probably because I didn't drink until college. So it wasn't something that I was introduced to. And then it hits me all at once. Energy is through the roof. I'd say the first thing that comes to my mind, whenever it comes to my mind, usually it's not the right thing to say. Um, it's been a problem. Like, Friends, family, exes, everyone. No, no coffee and Corbin. Not a combination. But this is what I'm hyped about. I found this little shot that has improved my morning so much. And I love that I can take it with me anywhere and drink it whenever I need a quick energy boost. And I do it in the morning because it's easy to incorporate in my morning routine. But it's really been helpful um, in terms of getting me fired up, ready to go, and with the energy I need to go throughout the day without having these spells of just just being lethargic and and not having motivation and that is this little elixir called magic mind and let me tell y'all magic mind it's been this great addition to my diet i'm some i'm somebody who am very happy to be able to have something that works for me from an energy perspective and what is it well glad you asked it's literally this great tasting shot that helps you to get going with your day. It helps you to stop procrastinating, puts a little pep in your step. It's one of those things that really refines your focus. And listen, when I'm creating new content like this, it's not easy. Anyone who does this knows it is not easy. It a lot of focus, a lot of energy, a lot of balance, and it's hard to do any of that if you're myself. But Magic Mind has helped me to do all of that. After three days of taking it, three days now, I've already been able to replace my coffee, and totally reduce the need for that or other unhealthy versions of caffeine. I'm a big soda guy in the morning, not because I particularly like soda. I do, but also because it's something that I don't get the hit from caffeine that coffee gives me, but I get just enough to kind of get me going for a bit. I cannot cut that out entirely because I knew it wasn't healthy. It was a means to an end, but it's gone now, right? Not only that, I have been more productive. I have been more focused. I didn't mention this is my third podcast I've done this morning. And when y'all hear this afternoon, you'll have known I've did three podcasts this morning, one of which in my scatterbrain stuff, I forgot to record. Like I just was talking to myself for about 35 minutes. So you'll hear that fun stuff tomorrow. Um, But like, I would not be able to do this if you asked me this two weeks ago. You know, I have less stress. I have less anxiety. A big part of that's because Magic Mind has helped me to get more done. And there's also a compound in there that naturally reduces your body's stress levels. And so that's been helpful. Um, I've been able to help my memory. Again, people who know me know my memory sucks. And it's been something that I've already seen 
become just exponentially better. Um, and there's ingredients in there. All of them are natural. All of them are healthy. Um, I would say some of them are hard for me to pronounce. <laughs> but one of them that I can share with you that I am a big fan of that I um, not only know just from, you know, certain days at the cafe, matcha. Anyone who likes matcha knows matcha green tea. Um, one specific benefit from matcha, not only having way less caffeine than coffee, but the fact that it has additional compounds that not only extend the benefits of caffeine by slowing your body's ability to absorb it, but also that reduce stress. And these compounds work together to prevent the spike of cortisol levels and the inevitable crash that comes from ingesting too much caffeine. So matcha is basically nature's extended release version of caffeine. I love it. And that's a big ingredient in um, Magic Mind, in addition to so many other healthy ones that will help you as well, whether it is improving your attention span, whether it is reducing fatigue or anxiety, whether it is, you know, reducing anxiety and inflammation. Like, this is a shot that does it all. So I totally stand behind it because it works. It helps me. And if it can help me and y'all know how I am, I totally think it can help y'all. And I want to get y'all into this. So listen, right now, I want y'all to check out the Magic Mind website. Get the limited 56% off their first subscription and get 20% off a one-time purchase with my code. Yes, that's right. I got a code again, y'all. It's legit. It's real. We are on it. So here's the deal. Again, one more time. 56% off your first subscription in the next 10 days and 20% off your one-time purchase with the code DAILYNBA20. That's right, because you know we daily and we talk about the NBA. DAILYNBA20. I'll spell it for y'all. D-A-I-L-Y-N-B-A-20. Again, get that subscription up to 50% off with my code DAILYNBA20. You just go to magicmind.com slash DAILYNBA to get on that. Or, you know, if you want to get a little sneak peek of it, see what's going on starting literally in a couple weeks, starting in January, you will find this product in Sprouts Farmer's Market stores all over the country. So if you have a Sprouts store nearby, get down there, grab a few bottles, tell them Corbin sent you. They want to know who I am. It won't matter. Just tell them I sent you. I've always wanted to say that. Uh, one more time, y'all. My code DAILYNBA20, magicmind.com slash DAILYNBA. Check it out. Let me know what y'all think. I am looking forward to hearing all about it. All right, y'all. We are on Monday, which means it's time for me to unveil a new segment called Mock Mondays. What are those? Come on. Y'all know. Um, literally, every week, every other week, I'm still trying to work on the schedule, but on Mondays, I'll be dropping a mock draft. It might be um, a team-based mock draft. It might be more of a big board. Um, it could be... Uh, what this one is a Corbin can't say it a Corbin specific mock draft, which I will detail in a second. Um, but every Monday I want to have some level of NBA draft content, whether it's a team specific mock draft, it'll be some combination of those. And I'm excited to kind of get into the draft myself. And there's a way for me to not only force myself to be on it when it comes to understanding draft prospects and team fits and all of that, but also you know, you the listener to be able to catch that along with me and to learn more about the draft because I hate to be those people, you know, binging the draft, you know, during March Madness and right before the NBA draft actually starts. Let's follow it from now. You know, we're not draft experts like the good guys at Swish Theory or the good folks at No Ceilings or anything like that, but we're not scrubs either. We know our stuff. We, 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 we watch ball. We know ball. So that's what we're going to do here. Um, and we're going to start this one. This one is my the Corbin Vibes draft. 1.0 and a Corbin Vibes draft again, just real quick, is just a draft lottery edition of players that I like, and I will give a reason as to why I like them. I'm not going to go too much into why I don't like them. That'll be more for the actual full mock draft um, that we'll kind of go into as we go into the season, as we go along in the season rather. And this isn't you know necessarily reflective of the way they've played so far. I have guys high up here that I know have not been great, you know, in the G League in the college basketball season, but I'm still high on for reasons that I will detail 
a little bit as we kind of go through each one. So this is the 1.0. We'll be doing Corbin Vibes drafts more as well in addition to your traditional team-based drafts and, you know, your traditional mock drafts as well just because I definitely want to keep track of my own process and what I like in these prospects, and I think it'll be a fun thing to do. So what the heck? Here we are. All right. So, again, 1 through 14. I'm going to tell you which player they are, who I have number one, all the way down, kind of go into them. I literally have their name, obviously important information about them, and then one good point or two that I like about them before going into the next one. So, I'm going to start with the first pick in the 2023 Corbin Vibes draft. Okay, I'm done. It's Ron Holland out of G League Ignite. Um, 6'8", 200 pounds, he'll be 19 at the draft. Ron Holland's actually been better uh with the g league night g league night team as a whole has been yikes they've not been great but holland has been pretty good good positional size athletic ability uh, through the roof in my mind um good ball handling flashes well great scoring potential definitely still working on the outside shot but he's had flashes where it's been semi-consistent and that's something you want to be big on but i have him high just because he's really more of the prototypical wing that i think succeeds in the nba level at their highest and outcome now the question is will ron holland reach that listen it's December. Don't don't at me. I don't know. As of right now, I think there's some potential there for him to be like a really solid player. This 2024 draft class, um, we talked about before and I had um Stevie Cousins on is not especially deep in my mind in terms of like potential franchise guys. I actually don't see one as of right now, but a guy who can fit in in his highest end outcome and be a significant contributor on a team with winning winning um designs, I think that Ron Holland can do that. My second guy, listen, he's been rough. I'm going to say it right now. He's been rough this college season. The more I watch him, the less I'm enthused. But I have Justin Edwards second. Um, Justin Edwards, 6'7", 180 pounds out of Kentucky. He'll be 20 at the draft. He's a smooth lefty. Knockdown shooter, great with the pull-up, Jay. These are things that he has been, people. Not things he has been right now, but things that he has been. Um, I like his defensive versatility. I think he brings good positional size as well. Again, he's somebody I was even higher on Holland going into the season because I thought, hey, he's a better shooter, right? Um, And I think you can get a shooter. He almost almost reminds me of like a Rodney Hood in the shooting ability, being able to kind of defend, you know, great pull-up, Jay. Like, that's what I saw. But as the season's gone on, less one-on-one ability than I would have liked. Um, the shot hasn't really been there. He has not been very smooth. This has not been very good. So, like, that's not been great. Again, I said I was going to down on my guys. I'm just explaining that I've been watching film since I've made this list. Um, but I still have him here because I would already written it down. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, he's number two. Number three, a guy who's projected by many so far in his early going to be the number one pick of this draft, Isaiah Collier. At a USC 6'5", 210 pounds, he'll be 20 at the draft. Same as Justin Edwards. Don't know if I mentioned that. Um, Isaiah Collier is just a really strong guard. Supreme pick-and-roll navigation ability. He's somebody who finds his way at the rim. I love his frame. He's a guy who play, who looks like he could be a strong lead guard at the point guard or the shooting guard position and brings some decent size there as well. So I think he's someone – he's been great with USC so far. I think he's somebody that's going to be um, – a solid player at the next level for sure, but like what I've seen from college, especially his three balls really been semi-consistent here. Next guy, Alexander Saar. Um, he plays with the Perth Wildcats, seven foot one, 217 pounds. He'll be 19 at the draft. I'm not the biggest fan of his offensive game. I just don't think he's been really good. Um, I've seen, I think Sam Vecini said on his podcast, he compares him to like a Nick Claxton and I said, yikes, not really because he's a solid player. He's not like a franchise guy. He's a solid player, but when I look at Alexander Starr, I see a versatile defender, a guy with great length, 
you know, a really good wingspan. His offensive arsenal is potential more than actual, you know, practice, but it's there. He has a little bit of a jump shot with his size, a little bit of the finish around the rim is there. You know, I can see him as a pick and roll partner. It'd be really nice if he can extend to a pick and pop as well, but he's somebody that has that in his game, and he's a very fluid athlete. And it's something to be said for guys that size to be fluid as well and to use that and stand by that as an athlete um, on both ends of the floor. At this stage of his career right now, he's much more impactful on the defensive side of the glass, but maybe he could be like an Anthony Davis. And I don't mean that Anthony Davis like that level of player, but a guy who came in with a lot more on the defensive side of the ball than on the offensive side of the ball and then kind of developed that offensive side of the ball as this career went on before regressing as AD. I'm just kidding. But like, Maybe he has that sort of potential career arc in terms of the offensive game. But right now, defense is where he makes his name, and he's very good on that level. Number five, I have Matas Buzelis out of G League Ignite. He's 6'11", 209 pounds. He will be 19 at the draft, age 19. This guy is just crafty, smooth, and skilled with the ball in his hands for his size. I like that. I'm definitely going to prove as a better shooter, but he has good form on his jumper and really good court vision you could see him as a playmaker facilitator at that size being a potential change of pace guy to initiate offense a guy that you know not a franz wagner but of that ilk in that way um and i think when you have a guy with that size and that skill and also being able to kind of pass the ball and kind of you know keep it moving and be a facilitator be potential hub you know maybe not a great hub but at 611 to be that it's not bad at all so that's why i like matis buzelis at number five Number six, we're going to UConn with Stefan Castle. 6'6", 190 pounds. He will be 19th the draft. I think, again, just like I had Isaiah Collier for a, a combo guard, um, really for Stefan Castle, more of a jumbo guard, just good positional size there. Being able to legit swing both positions, be a, a big point guard, um, and also be a, a, a pretty good size shooting guard. Um, smooth athlete as well. Somebody who has good mechanics on his jumper, especially for mid-range. But he can bomb it from three. But somebody who, you know, can come in and, and make, a, and make a, a, a role for himself immediately. I think there's something to be said for that. And Safan Castle can definitely fit the build there. And so he's somebody I look at. Definitely want to see more of him as the season goes on. But like what I see enough to have him number six on my vibes draft. Number seven, this is a wild one for sure, uh, but for me, DJ DJ Wagner. He's played the Kentucky 6'3", 175 pounds, he'll be 19th at the draft. Pure skill from all three levels. You know, hasn't really been consistent shooting the ball, but he can score from all three. Um, I'd call him more of a scorer than a shooter myself, but great downhill speed. I like his potential as a rim pressure threat, just getting to the basket. Been up and down in Kentucky. I think you could say Kentucky's been up and down in general, but I like what DJ Wagner brings. Um... Being the son of an NBA player with much of the same skill set is kind of funny to me, but I also enjoy that as well. But I like what DJ brings to the table. I think that that is really um, cool. And the higher end outcome of him being maybe a scoring guard off the bench is something that I could see happen. A lot to fix. And yeah, when I make my mock draft, he will not be this high. But as it is right now, I like him here for the vibes draft. Number eight, I have Jacoby Walter out of Baylor. Another guy, 6'5", 195 pounds. I feel like I've said that like four different times. He'll be 19th draft. I've definitely said that four times <laughs> in this read. Um, Walter, another smooth shooter. Great from mid-range to the NBA three. Can guard three positions, three and deep wing. That's what I see right now. And solid. And when you have a, a draft that is kind of all over the place in terms of potential and, you know, where players are and how they fit in, if you get a guy who can slot in, shoot the three, defend well, be good positional size, you take it. And that's why I have Walter there. Number nine, Kyle, Philip- Kyle Filipowski. Um, been in Duke a couple years now, but he's from Duke. Seven feet, 248 pounds. He'll be 20 at the draft, a little bit older. Um, 
of a rookie, but he's a versatile big man. Um, he can pass and facilitate. He can bang in the post. He's a capable three-point shooter. Um, really, again, that three-point shot looks good, but as far as it going down, it's been more, I don't know, it's been more um, theory than actual practice, but he's somebody that you could see space the floor, um, somebody that you can kind of give the ball to and, and get some simple action out of, and somebody who can bang in the post and finish around there as well. Just a really solid big man. Number 10, Nikola Topic. Uh, from Mega MIS, he is 6'6", 198 pounds. He is going to be 18 at the draft. Definitely one of the younger players in this draft. Um, young, intriguing, a big lead guard. He makes really advanced reads. One of the best passers in this class for sure. And he has a really smooth jumper as well. Um, Got to see a little bit more of him before I can put him higher. But I've seen him higher in draft boards. And I want to make him higher based off my evaluation of him. And not just the consensus. But if I was going to trust the consensus, then I would put him higher as well. But he's somebody I definitely want to see more of. And again, at 6'6", not bad. It's that high-end outcome of these bigger, you know, jumbo guards. You, we talked about um, St- uh, Stefan Castle. We talked about Isaiah Collier, like these bigger guards. Uh, number 11, I have Zachary Richache, uh from JL Borg. 6'8", 204 pounds. He'll be 19th the draft. Um, great positional size again at 6'8". Uh, good defensive potential. Uh, shot making upside is there, you know, again, want to see more of it in practice and theory, but it is there. I'd say he's a pretty fluid athlete as well. Um, and just like the way he plays and want to watch more of him as I continue to do my own evaluations. And then number 12, I have, have Tyrese Proctor from Duke. 6'5", 183 pounds, 20 at the draft. Good isolation player who operates at a great pace. I like his um, upside defensively. Offensively, I mean, he came in college with a better reputation of a shooter than he's actually maybe shown. Kind of been more up and down there. He ended last season pretty good from three, and then it's been interesting so far from what we've seen here from his uh, potential from range. But ultimately, like, the mechanics are sound in my mind, and they look good. So I definitely am somebody who is higher on what he brings to the table there, and I want to see some more consistency from him, but like what I've seen so far. Then number 13, I have Cody Williams from where I am here in Colorado. 6'8", 190 pounds, 19th of the draft. The younger brother of Jalen Williams has a point forward skill set. A versatile player. I love his style. It's very smooth. He has a good form from the mid-range. Not so much from three, but getting to the midi is fine. And if you're able to initiate offensive well, I think that's an added bonus. And he's a solid playmaker. Like, that's what I think is cool. For a point forward to have that kind of skill set there, I definitely want to see his outside shot improve a little bit more. But to have that, listen, I'm not mad at it at all. Um, and then my 14th player here, um, I have Bronny James, who made his USC debut uh, over the weekend. Again, I've said this, I don't know how many times, good positional size, but he has good positional size as a guard. 6'4", 210-pound combo guard, a reliable two-way guard, not, you know, not LeBron James, which, like, that's fine. Not a, a crazy guy from that end, but he's a player. He's a basketball player. He's a vocal leader. He's an intelligent defender. He is a solid three-point shooter, and he's a connective playmaker. That's a solid all-around guy. Um, he literally just played one game before. He literally just played one game for USC. So I'm literally not going into, oh, you know, what. I don't have many higher than that just because I wasn't going to have him on the list at all. But for somebody that is able to play that way, um, that's somebody who can come in and, and immediately be a connecting piece on the offensive end. And he will be 20 when the draft says, no, I'm sorry. He'll be 19 when the draft starts still. He'll be 20 um, before the season starts, but he's still a younger guy. So I, I definitely am curious to see w- more from him. But 
a solid player who knows what he's doing, and I'm happy to, for him uh, to be healthy again and be back out there on the court. That was a scare for him for sure, and that's not great. You never never wish that on anyone, whether LeBron James, kid, or anybody else. And so the fact that he's back and, and healthy and able to kind of get on the floor and make an immediate impact is great, and I definitely look forward to seeing more from him. Okay, what are the NBA games today? Let's look. 5 o'clock today, we have a slate of games. Just a bunch of them because we had a day off after the NCAA tournament finale. Um, so we have Wizards versus 76ers at 5. Do not feel good about the Wizards in that one. We also have the Cavs versus the Magic at 5. That'll be a fun one. Definitely want to see how that looks. Pacers and Pistons will do battle at 5 as well. In addition to the Heat and the Hornets, uh, Lamella Ball, there was some reassuring news about his ankle. He'll still be out for a stretch, but at least it could have been a little bit. It could have been worse, so it's good that it's not. Um, but definitely want to see how, he, how the Hornets look against the Miami Heat. At 5.30, we have... The Nuggets doing battle with the Atlanta Hawks. Hawks are just the team of mediocrity right now. So I want to see how they bounce back um, as they do their up and down system uh, against the defending champ Nuggets. The Raptors will be battling the Knicks. That will be a rock fight, but I am here for it. At 6 o'clock, we have five games. Uh, we will have the Jazz versus the Thunder. Um, and the Spurs versus the Rockets. And then the Timberwolves and the Pelicans will do battle. I'm definitely going to watch that game. And the Mavericks will play the Grizzlies at 6 as well. As the Grizzlies get closer to the return of one John Morant. Um, the Mavericks will be out uh, with Kyrie Irving out with a foot injury. But that will be something to monitor looking moving forward. Um, and then you have the Bulls and the Bucks at 6 as well. The Bulls have been playing better since Zach Levine's been gone. Is it the Ewing theory? I don't know. But either way, the Bulls have been playing better. The Bucks. Listen, I think they're still smarting from their in-season tournament finish, so we'll see how they come against Chicago. 8 o'clock, we have one game. That's the Brooklyn Nets versus the Sacramento Kings. I think that'll be a fun up-and-down, back-and-forth game that I'm very excited to watch. And then to close out the night, we have the Trailblazers and the Clippers. We'll see what Clippers team shows up. The Trailblazers have been a little better as of late. Um... Their offense needs to step up. Their defense has improved. The Clippers have been up in here and down over there. And so we'll see what that looks like. But we have a full slate of games tonight. And definitely looking forward to catching as much of that as I can. All right, y'all. We will be back tomorrow breaking down some of these games, looking into a few others, talking about the news of the day as we ever want to do. I might even, you know, put all that aside and, and surprise y'all with a topical piece talking about, I don't know, teams that could use a shakeup with a special guest that, I don't know, might have been recorded if I'd remembered to record. So we'll see what happens. But either way, make sure to rock with me tomorrow. Want to thank y'all again for listening as y'all have. Really do appreciate the support and the listens. It means the world to me. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA, C-O-R-B-A-N-M-B-A. Check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, online sportsethos.com, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S. Definitely make sure to check them out. And again, thank y'all. I really do appreciate y'all, 100%. But that'll do it here for me on Round Ball Ramble. So, for myself, I'm Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty, and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.